voice of the Titans. Mike, appreciate the time this fine Wednesday. How are you doing, sir? I'm super. How are you doing? Man, you can't live in East Tennessee and not be super at this point in time. I mean, what an exciting... I would, I would say that's right, yeah. <laughs> Just your, your, and we'll get to Titans, who have been pretty red hot, too, but uh, your reaction initially when you saw Tennessee as the number one uh, ranked team in the college football playoff rankings? Sitting in a restaurant last night with my mother and my wife, we were able to see a TV, and we saw it come up, and... You know, I just think it's thrilling. I think if you're a Tennessee fan right now or a graduate or both or somewhere in between, um, you've, you've, uh, you've got to enjoy the moment. I think you 100% have to enjoy the moment, and you have to say um, this is phenomenally special to see what's been done this year. And, you know, you've got to, you've got to hope it continues, but you've also got to understand you know, what this is all about from where this team was less than two years ago. I was on campus working with uh, the staff there on the signing day show in December of 2020 while COVID was at a fevered pitch, and uh, there was no juice in that building. There was none, zero. I mean, it was a tough thing. And and at that point, um, you know, there was no hint that there was any NCAA problem or that Jeremy Pruitt was going to get fired. There was none of that. That would actually come later that week, ironically. But just being in there, I, I remember leaving there thinking, wow, this this does not have the feeling of a place that, that you know, there's a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of passion and, and something to really be fired up about. I didn't know why. You know, I didn't know what all was going on. But it's completely different now, and that's just two years ago. Unbelievable. I mean, that's the whole thing to it is unbelievable. I mean, I jokingly said when we started the show, you know, hey, is this bizarre world? Where am I? I mean, and that's how quickly. I, I mean, that's what's remarkable about it is the quickness that Josh Heupel has turned around because we all know he doesn't really have a full 85 scholarship roster. He, he doesn't have a lot of things. They had walk-ons playing against Alabama. I mean, uh, all this, and they still continue to not be – they don't flinch. Even when they give a scoop and score to Bama or uh, they have three straight penalties against Kentucky that makes it third and 34 or whatever it was, they just don't flinch. They're just like, okay, we got plenty of time. I mean, that's that's the remarkable attitude change I think that's really big. Well, I think it's the competitiveness and the expectation level of Heupel. Heupel's an Oklahoma guy. Let's face it. He, he won a national championship at Oklahoma. He's been at a big-time place. He understands what a big-time place looks like. And so that's, that's how he approaches it. That's what I like about him so much. You know, he lost to Georgia last year. And in talking with people who are around the program, he was phenomenally disappointed because he thought they had a plan to really give them trouble. And, you know, for quite a bit of the game, they did. Um, Georgia blew it open down the stretch. But the, but the bottom line was he thought we've got some things that will give them trouble. And I think when you look at the culture part of it, the guys that stayed for the sixth year, the transfers in from other places, along with, you know, and Pruitt had some talent there. He had recruited Omari Thomas, and, you know, he had recruited, uh, you know, some good players. And then what they've been able to add, um, you know, they, they weren't helpless. We, we thought they could have a nine-win season, right? We thought that was possible. Right. Um, but 
I mean, to see this team playing this way and to see how many guys have improved, I think it says not, not only a lot about Pruitt, but it says a lot about the coaching staff. And, and that was a Danny White thing. Danny White wanted to spend the money to give him the best coaching staff possible. And, I mean, you don't, you don't get Rodney Gardner on the cheap. Right. You know, you, <laughs> right. Don't, you don't get Glenn Ellerby on the cheap. You, you've got to pay these guys some money, and, and they've done that. And by investing in the coaching staff, and, and there's also a really talented staff behind the scenes that doesn't get talked about a lot, too. So it's a, it's a pretty stable operation, I think, a lot more than anybody thought it could be at this point. Amen to that. I think expectations were to compete this year, just compete. And it looked like right. you know, that, that they were going to do that, and – but now you see them dominating <laughs> at and most points every week, especially defensively. Yeah, and that's kind of shocks everyone. It's really cool. Going to be an awesome game in well, Athens with, on Saturday. Well, when they won the pit game and they stunk up the joint and they won the pit game, and they were that's that's to me the worst performance of the Hypel era. They were bad that day in like every facet, and yet they still found a way to win. And, and and his teams have normally played. You know, they played Alabama a good game last year. They played Georgia a good game last year. They played Florida a good game. You know, you were never. You know, they never had that clunker. Well, they had a clunker against Pitt, and yet they won. Right. Right. And so suddenly you're saying, okay, well, and and then you knew they would play better against Florida than they did against Pitt, and they did. And you knew they would play better against LSU, and they did. And that's been the part of it. It's like, you know, they they had the old stink bomb, and they got that out of their system, and they have continued to answer the bell, and it's going to have to continue. I mean, the fact of the matter is any of the four teams that they play remaining can beat them. I don't think they will, but you know, it's Tennessee's not to the point where they were in the Fulmer era that they could roll the ball out against certain teams and there was no way they could lose. Uh, they they don't have that kind of talent advantage, but they, I mean, gosh, if they keep playing like this, it's going to be hard to beat them. It is now, of course, talking Titans switching gears that way. Titans absolutely on fire. What is it? A five game winning streak, uh, and Derrick Henry has been the bell cow. We played your call of um of his touchdown a man size run or however you put it uh i mean this yeah what guy. does that even mean i mean come on mike really no i loved it i absolutely what loved that, it what does that even mean well I, I i think i got so excited because it was one of the best runs i've ever seen him make because it took so many things it was not him breaking into the open and going 80 yards he had to make two major cuts and then he got to the five-yard line, and he had to use a stiff arm and a lean-in and a flip over the pylon, and I mean, just like everything he had to get into the end zone. Uh, it was spectacular, and and he was like that throughout the course of the game. He had a lot of spectacular moments that were very, very exciting. It was it was a lot of fun to watch him play and to watch them play and to you know to run the football the way they did. Man, and he is, you know, I know it's still early, but he's running himself into Canton is what he's doing. I mean, this guy's phenomenal. Uh, already breaking Eddie George, you know, franchise records in TDs. And what did he tie? Was it uh, O.J. Simpson and Adrian Peterson with most 200-plus rushing yard games? I mean, Correct. this has just been fantastic to watch. 
And then, of course, you have the side story that Tannehill, is he healthy, is he not? Can we put in our rookie quarterback, Malik Willis? Yeah, because our coaching staff is smart enough to be able to hand it off to Henry 32 times and not put Malik Willis in too many different bad situations. Would he carry it five times and he only threw ten passes? Now, that might be a tough uh, uh, mountain to climb against the Kansas City Chiefs Sunday night, but to get a win and be 5-2, and two, that's what worked against the Houston Texans. Well, that's all that counted, right? Yes. I mean, because you're, you're, you're playing the Houston Texans, and all games count the same, and that one actually counts a little more because it's a divisional game, and you found a way to win it. And when they discovered that they could ram it down their throat and they didn't have to throw, they, they just took the throwing off the table. They just said, okay, forget it. We're not going to do that. There were some pass plays in there to be made. Uh, he missed one throw to Chigakonkwo that would have been a really big game. He, there were a couple of other opportunities that he would have had in the passing game of things that they had worked on, but they just put all those away. And they just said, you know, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to win the football game. And so that's what they did. Crazy that almost a year ago, probably about a year and two weeks ago, that Titans beat Kansas City Chiefs 27-3. to Now, clearly, that was a Kansas City team that uh, got better and is not in the type, same type of situation that they are this year, scoring a bunch of points. But, I mean, that's just over a year ago, that kind of uh, a win at home. And uh, do we know if Tannehill is going to go Sunday or is that a game-time decision? What do you know? Well, I know there in the course of practice today, he has gone out. Uh, I don't know how they will list him. My guess is limited. I don't think we'll be very clear on that until Friday. Okay, I, I really don't. I don't. I don't think we'll be clear because you know they've got to take this time to see not only how he does today and comes off the field, but what does that lead to tomorrow, and then can they? Can they get him out there on Friday and have him do more things? Um, he could go without practice. I don't think it's the best thing for him or for the team. And do you want to take another week? If you don't feel great about him, do you take another week and hope that you come home for the Denver game and that his ankle is more healed than it has been? It's a tough injury. You know, it was a, and, and everybody knew it was a tough injury. And at the moment that it happened in the game against the Colts, you can go back in the game because I, I don't know if either one of you have had ankle problems in the past, but it's always worse the next day. The, the moment after it happens, you throw some tape on it and you can get through, and then you're going to wake up the next morning and it is no fun. The swelling. And that was is, the part no of fun. it. Yeah. yeah. And that was the part of it that, that he went through and – you know, I think it was very good that he did not play last week. Uh, but you don't want this thing lingering for the next eight weeks. And that that can happen if you don't get healed up. So I think everybody will have to feel good about where he is and what he's been able to accomplish if, if he's going to play this weekend. And I, I think it'll be later in the week before they can logically make that medical determination. Fun having them on a winning streak, isn't it? I mean, as an announcer, it's it's much better to call winning ball than losing ball. That's just common sense. Yes, that would be that would be a hundred percent true. <laughs> yes, um, I've done both, and I prefer winning over losing. Um, every everybody's more pleasant. Everybody's having a better time. Everyone is uh, excited about what you're doing, and 
And I, and I think for where we are right now, listen, we're we're 10 games away from the end of the season. So, you know, you could win all 10 or lose all 10 or go 5 and 5 or 3 and 7 or 7 and 3. I mean, you don't know. But what you know right now is you understand your formula and you are executing what that formula is right now very well. And if they keep doing this as they get some parts back, you know, they'll get Traylon Burks back and they're going to have a chance to get Kyle Phillips back. And, you know, there will be more things. We'll get Ryan Tannehill back. It'll happen. As those things go on, you can hopefully expand upon what you've been able to do over the last five weeks and grow your game to where maybe by the end of the year you're playing your best football. And that's what you need to be doing. I was looking at the roster, Mike, and hard to believe that this is uh, this is Henry's seventh year in the league. Yeah, it seems like, and I guess this is old guy talk, but it seems like you know, <laughs> uh, maybe I'll give him three years, but seven years, and that brought up the the fact that I don't think this would happen to Derek, but because he's such a big guy, uh, you know, he's just he's able to absorb that punishment. Uh, but at, at what point? At what point is? Because you know, we all know we're running backs, the the career is a little shorter than some positions. But you, mm-hmm. you're gonna you're gonna run him as much as you can because that's the, that's the way you're winning right now. But you, you got to worry that okay, at what point will will his production go down? It's not gonna be this year. It's not gonna be next year. But you know, I don't know. I I don't want to put a damper on the conversation. Well, no, Debbie Downer is what <laughs> Joe is. Debbie Downer. Thanks a lot for that, Joe. Really appreciate you. Uh, really appreciate you bringing everybody down with that. <laughs> Yeah, that's really good, Joe. Um, the thing about the thing about Derek's career is Derek is not going to stay in the league for an extra four years as a third down back. You know, some guys do that. Some guys they've been a lead back and then eventually they just become the third down back. That's not what he does. You know, he he's a lead dog. Hand it to me twenty times. Hand it to me twenty five or thirty times. I mean, that's what he does. That's what the job is. You don't send a home run hitter up to bunt. You just don't. And Derek will be 29 in January. He's already outlived the average for this kind of back. He takes such incredible care of himself. I think he's going to give himself the best chance to play as long as possible. But I don't think, and and I mean, I know I'm a Titans employee and I'm the announcer, so you're saying whatever. I, I don't think it will be because they ran him in the ground. I think it will be because at some point it just ends. Yeah. Um, whether he whether he has three hundred or three hundred and fifty carries, I don't think is going to make any difference because that's what he's designed to do. He's he and he catches passes occasionally and he's improved in that area. But you notice on most third downs he comes out. You know that's the way it works. So, I mean, this is this is who he is, and they're trying to keep him as healthy as possible. But, dead gum, that guy wants the football. Yes, he does. Yeah. You can see that. You can see that. And Mike, uh, just for your uh, information, if you if things are going too well on a particular day, just give me a call, and I'll make sure to put everything <laughs> in perspective. Okay? Yeah, you can do that. 
cowboy buzzkill. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Mike, appreciate the time. Of course, Titans are at the Chiefs Sunday night. Titans countdown starts here at 7 o'clock, and they'll tee it up at 8.20. You can hear the whole coverage with Mike Keith and, of course, uh, Coach Dave McGinnis, home of Titans football in Chattanooga, the Talk Monster 102.3. Mike, appreciate the time, man. Have a great week. As always, guys, thanks for having me. Thank you, Thanks, man. Mike. Thank you, Mike Keith, voice of the Titans there.